Inside Nigeria, keeping you informed on what matters. Hello listeners, how they are? Good morning and welcome to the midweek edition of Inside Nigeria at the Leadership Podcast Studio this Wednesday morning of August 17th, 18th, sorry, 2021. And of course, I have my co-host this morning in the studio with me, Winifred. Well, Winifred, good morning. Good morning, buddy. It's so nice to be here. Thank you. We are back to Inside Nigeria. Yes. How do you feel? Great. All right. Great. As well with the headlines, we have shifting out from all papers today. Uh, so let's go there. And of course, before we go there, of course, we have somebody who will be helping us to analyze this uh, front page story this morning. And of course, is our regular uh, analyst too, and Abuja-based public affairs analyst, Samaila Musa. Samaila, welcome to leadership. Yeah, good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Alan. You're welcome. Well, viewers, as usual, we are starting with the leadership. And leadership is Nigeria's most influential newspaper. On the front page of leadership this morning, insecurity, Tofa, Yayale Hamid, Jega, Agwai, others move to save the North. Insecurity, Tofa, Yayale Hamid, Jega, Agwai, others move to save the North. And of course, Tofa is the uh, former presidential candidate of the defense. Uh, National Republican Convention, NRC, Alaji Bashir Usman Tofa. And of course, Ayali Ahmed, the former head of civil service of the Federation and the former secretary to the government of the Federation. Jega, we know who is Jega, the immediate past INEC <laughs> uh, chairman, yeah. Professor Atahiru Jega. And of course, Lieutenant General Martin Luther Aguay, uh, the former defense chief, as well as other people from the North are coming together on a platform to say, the north from its numerous uh, crisis. Samaila, what is your take on this latest move? Okay, um, I think it's a good move uh, and also uh, in the right direction, you know, uh, especially uh, considering the fact that uh, the insecurity issue is actually affecting the north more than any other place at this time. I mean, for the past few years, uh, the north has actually been uh, the worst hit in terms of insecurity and if uh, eminent uh, uh, Nigerians these are people who have actually paid their dues you know who have served in uh, different uh, capacities uh, you know moving this country forward I think uh, it's, it's a really uh, commendable effort but you know, the only problem I have is uh, you know I, I see some of them also have political ambitions if uh, this move is genuine know any political motive behind it why not? Because most often when people come up like this, especially when election year is approaching, uh, you begin to ask questions that where were they before? But I mean, it's good. It's never late. It's never too late. But if that motive, because what can make them to lose credibility is by the time people started seeing some uh, form of campaign yes. going in uh, 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 alongside this uh, move to see that they say they're not, that really can uh, uh, you know, snowball and actually uh, uh, backfire. So, if it's actually genuine without no any political motive, it's actually a welcome development, and that's the right thing to do at this time. But is it right to actually read any political meanings to it, whether they have political ambitions or not? Is it not the piece they are they are 
aiming yeah, for the matters yeah, that's, that's the for the region. That's why it, the, that genuine intention is very important. Because when you see, you see politicians are never to be trusted. I mean, we won't be here where we are if actually they are, have, they have always been genuine. Mm. There's no genuine intention most times. So when people come out like this, because you see, it, it might be just a, a decoy. The headline about where we trying to salvage the Lord might be a decoy. A camouflage. Uh, yeah, a camouflage. To, so to, to, to do something. To, to do something. So by the time people started noticing, what you are trying to achieve is more prominent than the head. The, the headline it's you, you gave it have an issue. It's not lost its credibility. And people who had who have built that hope in you that oh, if this kind of uh, this mm -hmm. caliber of people are coming to save the north, why not? They also begin to feel ah okay, is this where you are leading us? And I'll tell you that quite a lot of people will prefer these people to spearhead looking for uh, peace or you know salvaging the north rather than have them as their political leaders. You understand? So they will also lose those uh, 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 those uh, kind of people in their groups to say, no, 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 we only like you because of your credit. Not, well, I don't see you being my political leader because I don't see you, you know, uh, doing anything in the area of politics that will actually uh, be meaningful at this time. So there are a lot of issues to it. But genuinely, if that's what they are coming to do, it's a welcome development and everybody will embrace it. Because I, I would rather prefer the politicians to just go marry their politics and leave this because that divisive tendencies most of them they always feel oh these people will never vote for me so whatever it is that i'm coming to do does not affect them because in the long run i'm not going to benefit so because once you have that motive that you are after the end i mean your own personal gain interest is coming first it's going to really be a big uh, uh, spanner in this, uh, yeah. you know. Really yesterday, what they told us was that the Abuja Roundtable, which yeah. they just formed, yeah. is a non-governmental, independent, and, you know, non-partisan approach to help other existing platforms platform. to help achieve peace yeah. in the North. Yeah. yeah, so I think we can only believe their words for now to see yeah. where yeah. they will have to. But like what uh, he just said, you know, but would, do you think they'll be able to achieve much, which are including the politicians who are the three actors? Yeah, what I'm saying is, is let them spearhead this move. They can't include the politicians. Of course, they, they can't achieve much without including the politicians. But their own motive, because everybody claims to be smart, so we understand. So mm. the politicians are always are also saying, as you are they're approaching them, they're also saying that, mm -mm, you are not coming for this piece. Rather, you are coming to Ghana support for yourself. You understand what I'm I saying? So it let it be that, oh, you really want to put the North in order. You really want to tackle this insecurity once and for all. You understand? So that we all put our hands on deck to do the same thing. You understand? Because that's what everybody is praying for. You know, I, I mean, the only people that will go against this kind of move are people who are actually benefiting from the crisis. crisis. So other than that, nobody. But I'm just saying the only thing that can um, set them back is for them to now begin to do politics. Yeah, yeah. From their command. We need to move. Yes. Mm -hmm. We want to take um, our story from the sister publication, National Economy. National Economy has on its cover today Poor logistics capacity poses competitive disadvantage for Nigeria in AFCFTA market. I read it again. Poor logistics 
capacity poses competitive disadvantage for Nigeria in AFCFTA market. That is Africa Continental Free Trade Area Agreement. It's quite long. <laughs> that is what it means. So for logistics, so it's on Nigeria now to to explore or find a way of um, um, taking care of those uh, logistics uh, error. Yes, Amala, I know this is not new. We always have a poor road network, you know, telecommunication, and the rest of them. And what uh, this report is actually trying to project is that what uh, the continental agreement we stand a great chance of maximizing profit from it. But if we are able to put our house in order, for example, look at the notorious Oshodi. A Papa Expressway mm. has always caused gridlock in Lagos. You understand, and I think as we speak, a task force has been working to make sure that the gridlock is no longer there. Then the road is being fixed so that you know uh, trucks can go to to the ports in record time, pick uh, goods, deliver them to the interlands, you know, and make uh, business activities to actually uh, move the way it should be. So, what, what is your own uh, take? Yeah, you see, it's it's actually it's been a major problem in Nigeria over the years. Over the years, really, it's really been a, a, a constant keeping that, uh, uh, especially the uh, uh, exporters and even people who apply within just delivery mm -hmm. goods within Nigeria have always mm -hmm. complained about. In so many cases, you find in fact there's also there's also a road or there was a road on this Makwa road to Jeba mm -hmm. where for so many years, mm -hmm. you know people will have to return back to the north mm. because of accident there they cannot move from there and the goods they are carrying have the number yeah the number of days it can really spread i mean you can imagine somebody moving to matu from uh, sokoto or something yes. and he gets there to spend another one week on the road just stopped in one place it, there's no 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 point moving forward so that has actually been a major problem and over the years the government seems not to be paying much attention to you know fixing all the roads and all of that what they do they do more of talking about encouraging these people or rather not doing the same thing and you see when you talk about now we're bringing this to africa you know it's putting nigeria at a disadvantage exactly. really, because you can't compete with another your friend yes. with another person in a neighboring country you understand so and that's why also this brought up also at the issue of uh you know people saying oh when the the goods have not been circulated within Nigeria. There should be some regulations that say you can't export it outside Nigeria. Yes. But if I'm in Katina, for instance, and Nigeria is just two hours away from me, or one hour drive from me, maybe there's a market there where I can easily go. I would rather go there than go to Lagos where I know I don't have a certainty that I'm going to get there in two, three days yeah, right. because I don't know what might happen on the road. Yes. So really, it's really putting us at a disadvantage and that really is an area the government needs to do something about you know there is no way you can compete with your in fact even the issue of electricity is another issue oh, is. because this also should go into logistics exactly cost, of production. cost of production, production. You, you understand yeah. so how do, we've, we've seen how so many companies i can't remember the statistics that say within this social period number of companies that pack their things from nigeria yeah. moved to Ghana because of power so really, you know, it's actually a, a serious setback for, for us as a country. And it's high time the government begin to look into this. 
and looking for ways to actually fix it once and for all. Other than that, you know, uh, we will see people even moving in their droves away from that. And unfortunately, we are now even at a, a, a time where we have so much uh, food insecurity in, in the country. So if you are now having this problem, mm. coupled with the food insecurity for so many reasons, then that means the, 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 the multiplier effect is going to triple, really. So it, it's an area that really needs uh, urgent attention. Okay, but I think it's also important we let our listeners also know that government is doing a lot in the area of uh, rail transportation. Oh, yes. The present it, it, government is yeah, doing it a lot is, it is. in rail it transportation. Is, uh, yes. And even the roads. They are fixing some and of them. They can link these uh, most of these uh, uh, commercial states. Exactly. They go a long way. Lagos, Kano, and, uh, and, uh, and, and I think they, and they, they need to do more. Is, uh, yes, they need to do more, more of cargo. Exactly. In, terms of the yes. in order yes. to actually protect the road. Yeah. You know. All right, so we need to move away to the next newspaper on our menu for today. And that is the Nation newspaper. On the front page of the Nation this morning, the front at the list story says, Governor speaks six hopes in petroleum industry acts. Governors pick six hopes in petroleum industry acts. And of course, petroleum industry act 2021 is the same as PIB that the president just assented to two days ago. But the governors are already kicking. And we know what that means. And I think one area, one German area is the ownership of the NNPC. Yes, for uh, the I saw it and I was like, oh, some papers have still not moved away from yesterday's uh, headline. It's a developing story. It's a developing one. And the governors, you know, before the signing in, they also made their own uh, recommendations. Yes. And from what I saw, the governors are saying that it does not give any responsibility to state governors. You know, yeah, they, in they the area of sharing of money. Yeah, don't, don't, they will not benefit. That is just for the federal government alone. And you know how before states now, are... If, uh, you know, NNPC <laughs> used to be a government entity, yes, but with the passage of the PIB into law, and NPC is now a commercial entity, limited to yes, exactly. So now the state in NNPC is now being owned by federal government yes. and some commercial yes. uh, or private entities. Now it means if, it's, if the states are not being controlled by the federation again, mm. the returns will only go to the federal yes. government. Yes. But if it's for the federation, the three tiers of government will be entitled. So these people are trying over money. Some yeah, it, exact, that's my take because you see most times when you see governors forum coming together to issue statements you always know that it's about their own interests that exactly. comes first you know because you will believe that most of them they also attend uh, uh, executive council meetings and everything most of these things are done right in their presence some of these decisions are taken right there maybe for whatever reason they're probably not saying the right thing to the president at the time of those kind of meetings I don't know, but you see, they always come together to issue statements so that the people will hear that they are crying out, you know, but the times they do that actually has to be a time where it affects what comes to them. Not the general populace. Not the general populace, really. It, it's it's sad if, we, you know, we have governors, so, but you know, the first and foremost, I think it's commendable that the president eventually signed the PIB because, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, if after uh, more than 40 years, the last time this uh, was more than, it's more than 40. Yeah, I think it was 1967. Mm -hmm. So 
really if this no, is coming in major attempt yeah, you under, you're, yeah you understand so so it's it's actually the a right step in the right direction i think uh maybe another government after this the 2023 will come in to not also look at some other areas that have not been touched mm. you know we should be having this kind of things from time to time you know because times are changing yeah. you, you understand yeah. and sometimes you need to consider some agitations so that it doesn't it become something else in the in the future yes. but of course you see uh, and again i think what i had one of the governors also his own issue is about the three percent going to and all of that he's not alone yeah to a large extent it will cause a lot of problem i believe because if you going back to the antecedents of uh, how so many things have gone especially in the niger delta you will know that uh, this is also going to cause another problem because some people have always feel uh, so changed so some people would not be like now this three percent let's know what goes to who and greed will always come into play and that might lead to serious crisis and you know with the three percent a governor like Ricky was the bit that it ought to go to them to know how so to dispose it not, not the communities directly exactly. that's another issue <laughs> and yesterday we spoke with a senator on this program who also expatiated that well people are only fixated on the three percent state mm. from those communities there are a lot of goodies in the petroleum law mm. meant for the niger delta mm. region but people are just being carried mm. away to say no 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 three percent is not enough i uh, think they also mentioned that uh, there's another between two percent or thereabout of uh, all uh expeditions penalties the, the, penalties of, for gas flaring yes. we also go to them go to you know them. this is aside uh, the constitutional 30% derivation yeah, fund yeah. to the Niger Delta State, NDDC, the NDDC, yeah. the, the Ministry of Niger Delta Affairs, yeah. the Amnesty Program. You understand? Yeah. And it has been estimated that even this 3% for communities is about $500 million a year. Yeah. Is enough for the yeah, corruption? Yeah, if, if it would be uh, channeled appropriately, exactly. the right people will get the right thing because that is the only way that you can say, oh, stop agitation uh, some people might carry arms eventually if they feel so changed with this process so really government need to intervene i don't really most times it's sad that you see nigerians we really cannot organize ourselves in anywhere you go you can be you can be in a gas station trying to queue for fuel somebody is saying about five cars but he feel no i can't stay behind these five cars i want so really it's difficult thing for us our mentality we can't really arrange ourselves nobody wants to do the right thing except being enforced you understand so government need to step in to make sure that the people who will be saddled with distributing this money no right. you know i served in river state and funnily enough and that was many years ago do you know that most of these oil companies there they pay some landlords yes yeah pay the huge just he, to he, get so you cannot even do do you know the, if you are given a contract to execute in any of those communities you have to pay them exactly you are you are bringing development to them, yes. but you have to pay yeah, before yeah. you even start any work. No, incidentally, <laughs> I also served in the Niger Delta. I served in Bayelsa. Okay. Yes, I saw, I, I saw it for myself. Slavery is, you know, is a problem. They should hold their people accountable. What are you doing with the money? This money that I am of the opinion too, like you are saying, that I think it is important that Niger Delta people look at the big picture. The PIB is not for Niger Delta. The PIB is, is for, for Nigeria. Nigeria. Yeah. 
It is. Niger Delta is just a part of. Yes, it's not for Niger Delta. It's for Nigeria's development. So that we can maximize profits from our oil. You are part of an entity called Nigeria. So the monies that have been allocated, that have been budgeted for all these budgetary allocations with Nigeria, what has been done? And to say the truth, they are going through a lot: environmental degradation, pollution. Yes, I saw it firsthand. Exactly. But also, there are so many monies meant for remediation from international donors. Exactly. I know of one that is about 200 and something billion naira for mopping oil spillage because that money was set aside to say, oh, we know that the oil companies will take care of spillage. But because they don't do it 100%, this money is meant for the communities, the oil producing to also used to mop the remaining of this oil spillage. You understand? I told you about this. Most of this money goes into some private pockets all yes. the time. But we need to move away to the next uh, paper, Winfrey. Yes, the next paper we are reviewing now is uh, the Guardian newspaper. The Guardian newspaper has on its cover today, despite Petroleum Industry Act, federal government to retain subsidy, said petrol at 162 naira. Despite Petroleum Industry Act, the federal government to retain subsidy, set petrol at 162 naira. That's what we have on Guardian newspaper today. Now, Samayla, we don't know why uh, what looks like a somersault is trying to, the policy somersault is trying to happen because with the passage of the Petroleum Industry Bill into Petroleum Industry Act 2021, ordinarily it should be a new regime of full deregulation. Of the petroleum uh, sector and with the regulation of the sector there won't be fuel uh, uh subsidies but yesterday when the minister of state for petroleum resources was speaking to the press about the timing at uh, the timelines mm -hmm. for the bill to be operational he was saying that uh, he cannot categorically say when petroleum subsidy will go and now the guardian is saying well despite the new law there may still be subsidy and petrol will be sold at 162 naira yeah, well, uh, it's obvious because the governors have actually be at the forefront of the removal of subsidy. Mm. You know, uh, we also uh, some uh, 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 people who are also maybe some experts in the area of economy are also pushing for the removal of subsidy. But whatever it is, I think the the timing is is quite ill. You know, like it shouldn't be the right time. This this is a more, one of the most difficult time. In this country, so what should be the right time? What should be the right time? Well, government should look for the way, like the headline we just finished uh, dissecting, or uh, you know, previously about uh, uh, the logistics issue. Mm -hmm. You see, there is already hardship in the land because food. I'm telling you today that so many families cannot even afford to buy beans. If you are eating beans today, is you are you are a rich man. This were foods that. I mean, ordinarily, back in the days, it was something that belongs to the poorest of the, of the poor. Mm -hmm. You understand? Like for more than more than a thousand naira for a movie, the, the kids are on holidays and everything. Most of the families, the, the kids alone will eat more than a movie a day. Some families don't. The the, the, the breadwinner doesn't earn a thousand naira a day. You understand? So the times are already hard, and you know, with the removal of subsidy. Already, I mean, the multiplier effect on petroleum in Nigeria, you always know the effect. You understand? So let's look for how are we going to solve this issue of food problem? And then probably when there's some kind of a relief in that regard, then you can now do this 
so that already you know ordinarily food uh, uh, the cost of food will, will go up because definitely. once uh, transportation, the transportation, transportation goes up it will definitely come but if it's coming at this time really i can tell you you're going to buy a movie of, of things from like three thousand naira eventually well it's like we are shining away from the exactly. evil day running away from the evil day or shining away from reality because in the first place what necessitated for a subsidy it is because we are importing fuel and this is what we have in abundance uh, in our soil i mean within our uh, our soil but the refineries are there comatose they are not functional we have to import and we know what this subsidy is causing mm -hmm. corruption regime is there yeah. product diversion is there so are we going to continue this way well the, the problem is you see the president the present president has criticized previous governments on this issue for subsidy payment he, he came on board he realized, and then he realized it's not as easy as <laughs> thought <laughs> you, you, you understand but most importantly is what you just mentioned about the issue of the, our the, our uh, the refineries. Yes. I do not know what needs to be done, or why is it so difficult for someone of Buhari's pedigree, after uh, 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 you know being conversant with that industry, sector. that sector, and also the substantial minister of uh, 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 of petroleum. Still, after even his things at uh, uh, PTF, still do not feel the right way to go is actually to even let make one out of the four, out of the four functional, so that we begin to look at oh okay, see, I, is this easy? Our refineries, most of it, they are obsolete. And you know that was one of the campaign promises. You understand? <laughs> so really, and they have two years to go now. I do not see any magic that's no. going to happen. We'll be struggling on how that to win the election. Yeah, and, and especially now that this this thing is going into private uh, hands, Nigeria is in for big trouble because you know most of these guys don't really they feel me. I'm a businessman. I don't oh, care who dies. It should be capitalism. You understand? So really, uh, profit maximization. That that's that's the thing. All right, Samila. Many thanks to you for joining us this morning, and of course, Samila Musa is an official this public affairs analyst. We we'll go on a short break, and when we come back, we will take the discussion to another level. Inside Nigeria, keeping you informed on what matters. Uh, welcome back to the discussion segment of Inside Nigeria uh, this uh, morning, and of course, joining us now to dissect uh, another issue, or a topical issue, on the north and the search for peace and development is an Abuja-based public affairs analyst and. Uh, syndicated columnist Majid Dahil. Majid, welcome to Leadership Podcast. Thank you very much for having me today. You're welcome. Thank you very much. All right, Majid, uh, yesterday we saw a new move called the Abuja Roundtable. You must have seen the, the report led by Alaji Bashir Tofa, Yaali Hamed, uh, Professor Atayu Jiga, General Martin Lutagwe, and the rest of them. This Abuja Roundtable has been formed to actually be a new initiative, non-governmental, independent approach to salvage not from its uh, security uh, challenges. So this morning we're going to look at this uh, uh, latest uh, move. Yes, uh, you're welcome once again. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, the North has been in power longer than other regions in the country, yet is the least developed. 
So how come the people are not speaking power, uh, truth to power? Well, I think that has to do with the nature of the Nigerian politics. Nigeria is a country that is not yet a nation. Uh, and we, are, we have not moved fast on our journey towards the journalists. So our politics in Nigeria is still fundamentally driven by primordial sentiments of obesity, religion, and geography of origin. So people have a tendency of not telling truth to power. So when their own is in power, in order not to portray their owners, not doing well, or put them in bad lights. Uh, but unfortunately, that is the consequence of that all of us are not facing, both in the north and across the country as a whole. It is true that the north has been in power longer than any other region in the country, and it's even perhaps interested in going to power beyond 2023. Now, the question is, what is this political power without socioeconomic development? As rightly observed, the north runs very low in And today, Nigeria is ranked as the third most wealthiest country in the world, and that is because of this in Nigeria. Today, Nigeria is the poverty capital of the world. That is why the poverty in the world. Nigeria today is said to have about 30 million children out of school. So, not a Nigeria system of Nigeria. So we can go on and on. Nigeria today is plagued by polio because of water Nigeria. So you begin to wonder why how come there is no correlation between political power and social economic development. You see, that is because you cannot develop any region, any part of Nigeria along sectional lines or along regional lines. What Nigeria desire, what Nigeria requires rather, is a pan-Nigerian development strategy that is integrated, that carries along the entire country without leaving any, any section behind. For the purpose of global competitiveness. Nation states, modern nation states, actually are those that are competing amongst themselves in the international arena for global resources. And so you must sharpen your knife, sharpen your edges, dot your eyes across your teeth internally through a very cohesive national policy that unites the country around that pan-Nigerian agenda or that nationalistic agenda for global competitiveness. So when you do that, you're able to attract revenue for global trade. To such an extent that it grows your national wealth, it brings in prosperity for citizens, and there will be enough money to solve some of these problems. But what we have today is that because of the identity politics that we're playing, the focus is involved. So we see how the various ethnic groups in Nigeria are competing among themselves for Nigeria's internal resources. And we're talking about $2 million per day. Essentially. So for 200 million people, the focus is how do we each get advantageous share of the revenues from this one resource. So the national cake is actually static or even shrinking and it's not growing. I have a growing population. So you discover that because what is fueling Nigeria's economy is the same oil resource, even from oil resources, it's no longer enough to even take care of the northern region, even if you hold on to power. So you see there is an urgency now to expand this national economy. and the way to do it is to break the barriers of a digital region and politics, have Nigerians united around the common cause, and let the political players play with ideas, competitive ideas, 
on how to grow a united, prosperous and strong Nigeria, rather than how to begin to think how to corner the national cake for the of the country. That cake is shrinking. It's no longer anymore. It's no longer going around. And so the contradictions we are seeing across the country by way of security, poverty, corruption, corruption, identity politics is a major enabler of corruption. Makes it impossible for development, even if you hold up the power longer than 100 years from now, you won't have development. So, this is the basis in our understanding of why the North is still there, it is despite holding on to power longer than any other region in Nigeria. So, Majid, from your narration, if you said it all, the causative factors and everything responsible for insecurity and other development in the North. But why has previous attempts like just this latest Abuja round team have failed to address these problems. But there's no sincerity of purpose. And I hope and I pray that the Abuja round table will truly understand that it will not be well with Northern Nigeria if it is not well with Nigeria. And it will not be well with Nigeria until Nigeria becomes a country where social justice, fairness, equity reigns. And so our all attempts now towards finding the solution to Northern problems should be one that should be within the framework of a, of a pan-Nigerian strategy for national development. Regional exceptionalism has done no region Nigeria any good, especially Northern Nigeria. We used to have Northern agenda. Northern agenda for Southern Pakistan was simply an attempt at dominance, domination of other groups over the control of the national group. And like I said earlier, the national group itself has shrunk so much that even when you dominate and control it, you now have an indebted country at your hands. You have a country that cannot pay its bills. You have a country that is borrowing to pay debts. You have a country that cannot take care of its citizens, even in Northern Nigeria. Because no effort has been put into making the national cake. But all effort, all attempts, all energy has been deployed towards sharing the existing national cake. And so this group of distinguished elder statesmen from Northern Nigeria have taken the right step. But it must be done with sincerity of purpose. It is good that they have acknowledged that today it appears as though Northern Nigeria is the problem of Nigeria. And not because Northern Nigeria want to be so, but it is because of circumstances of through where this over the last 61 years, it has somehow positioned Northern Nigeria in, you know, in a position of disrepute of some sort. Look, let me put it this way. The problems you see in Northern Nigeria today, ranging from insecurity to poverty and uh, the general economic dislocation, actually functions of two major issues. First, regional exceptionalism. This idea of this, that we should think as Ariwa agenda and Northern Nigeria within the Nigerian uh, nation has failed the North. Every other region has similar things. Yeah, and that's also true. I agree with you. It's it has failed the North even more. Even Nigeria, there's the country. It has failed the North. Jonathan was president for five years. There was this entitlement. East West Road was open. Exactly. But most of was president for that. Lagos Ibadan. Lagos Ibadan. And so the story remains. Today, President Buhari has been power for six years. And none of the key problems from Northern Nigeria are ranging from poverty, disease, educational backwardness, insecurity has been solved. It has gotten worse. 
So it is time to begin to look at the regional question. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, regional exceptionalism has been a bane on Northern Nigeria particularly. It is stronger in the North because there is an attempt to hold on to the fresh public structure of the old Northern region, even in terms of political engagement. And that has actually not worked. Because you need ABA to help develop Kano. Because the high and scheme from Kano needs to be finished in ABA for export. Mm. So you need internal integration. You need to break down the barriers of integration through ethnicism and religion. Mm. Secondly, another problem that actually fails in North Spain is that of religious extremism that's actually defined by Islamist separatism. Boko Haram insurgency you said today is a byproduct of religious extremism and Islamist separatism in Northern Nigeria that has been rife for more than half a century. And if it's not checked, the war will go on beyond the 10 years we have been in this war. The example of Afghanistan is clear for everyone to see today. The ideology driving Boko Haram insurgency is one that is embedded even in the mainstream Muslim circles, or theology, I mean to say. And so, but there's a need for this group of people to begin to reverse these two tendencies. We need to reverse the tendency of northern regional exceptionalism, northern isolation, and the idea that it has to be northern Nigeria first. No, it has to be Nigeria first. Now, we also need to reverse every embellishment of religious extremism in northern Nigeria. It has been a useful tool for political mobilization by the elites. Yes. But it has become a self immolation enterprise for us in the government. It needs to be reversed actively. And I expect this group to advocate for that reversal beginning from now, while we still have the time to remedy. Now, if you look at another theater of war that is threatening to engulf the North and probably the entire Nigeria, is the issue of harassment crisis, harassment terrorism. That again is being fueled by something that we're not talking about yet cross border ethnic nationalism. Yes. When you have this affinity with people of your tribe across the border uh -huh. and less attachment to members of the same Nigerian community of different tribes, you have the problem of cross border and easy movement of bandits, criminals, terrorists into Nigeria. And Nigeria being a an Irish country, we have all the money in this issue, we allocate money every month. Nigeria is now a huge criminal franchise for cross-border bandits. And that is made the major incentive for continuous banditry you have seen across the land. Because Nigeria is the only country in West Africa, or even in Africa, where you kidnap people, and in, within 48 hours, millions of naira are paid in ransom money. I don't think there's another country where that happens. India by creating a violent economy. In fact, it, it's like a war economy of respect. But what is aiding this is cross-border ethnic nationalism. Mm -hmm. This transnationalism, ethnic nationalism, is aiding and abetting the situation. And now, I, I describe these three factors as the self-immolation of Northern Nigeria, the cultural and religious self-immolation of, of Northern Nigeria. But unfortunately, the self-immolation of Northern Nigeria is actually threatening to incinerate the entire Nigeria. And that's what people are asking for structurally. People are asking for even secession. People are saying, look, we can no longer endure the incineration arising from the self-immolation of Northern Nigeria. And this expedition is not going to go away. And so the Abuja Roundtable has a lot on its plate. If it really, really goes back on this issue, it has to look deeply, convert widely, and take responsibility for the problems in Northern Nigeria that are pitiably the entire country. Today we are all of Nigerians, men, women, children are paying the price for some of these issues. 
the book of Jonas has been fought by collective resources in terms of human and material. And so for how long will Desert Nigeria continue to sacrifice and enjoy the incineration arising from the northern Nigeria's self-immolation? This is a question that's going to bug Nigeria for some time to come. And to create more instability, except people in that same region, as the African Tribune is about to do, begins to take responsibility and speak to these issues and lead the way into finding solutions to these problems in the north that poses existential threat to the Nigerian state today. All right, let's look at the personalities of the people involved. You know, Mahmoud Yali Ahmed, the former head of the civil service of the Federation, the former secretary to the government of the Federation. Then Alaji Bashir Tofa, the presidential candidate of the defunct NRC in the aborted Third Republic. General Martin Luther Agwe, the former defense chief. Uh, Professor Atari Ujiga, the middle class INEC chairman and uh, others. Can we actually trust them for their words? I think I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt to all the personalities involved. First, I've seen the diversity already. It's a big sort of different ethnic groups in the north uh, and religious uh, divides in the zones. So that is quite heartwarming for me. And yes, uh, these people are those you can say served in public before in public in the public space with some level of credibility. Let us take Atayujiga for example. Atayujiga is credited with conducting two of Nigeria's most sanitized electoral processes since 1999 when we returned to civil democratic group. And he has also managed to remain above the floor when it comes to uh, the rating ethno-geographic and religious uh, conflicts, even intellectual conflicts happening in the country today. Atari Jiga has managed to maintain a nationalistic outlook when it comes to his civil engagements and his participation in the civil space. So to that extent, I think he might have the broad-mindedness to help find a solution to what was created by extreme narrow-mindedness in Northern Nigeria. Now, uh, if you also look at somebody like uh, uh, Malam Mahmoud Ali Ahmed, he was a former head of Service and former exterior. Yes. Now, Mahmoud also, from what I know about him in the public space, comes across as a nationalist. And I'll say this because when he was Secretary of the Government of the Federation under the Yerodo administration, yes. from insider information, we are, uh, we are made to understand that whereas uh, a lot of Sultanas that have been the cabinet in the Yerodo government. We are not so keen on the Jonathan presence. I mean, they felt they had more right to the Yarab was in the north. Yeah. But what he did in the south, he was the program, the Ministry of Niger Delta, and his nationalistic tendencies too. So, Southerners were not so keen, even the Colonel was not so keen for Jonathan to take over. It was not our leaders who had the forefront of calling their own to order and say, look, allow our brother from the south to take over in line with the constitution spirit and the letter of the constitution even though it was not spread out clearly as was now later done yeah. but the spirit is good when you are not available let your voice take over yala ahmed played a key role in that process in fact yala ahmed somehow midwifed you know jonathan's ascendance to he exhibited nationalism he was when nationalistic it, when it mattered most yeah. he wasn't considered the northern thing no he did not so that remains fresh in our memory. So to that extent, I'm willing to give you the benefit of God and trust him as well. And of course, Martin Luther Hawaii is a general. 
uh, if there's an institution in the country today that has remained largely apolitical, that has remained uh, largely nationalistic, it is the army. That's part of the challenges we are facing today. The army has remained, okay, somehow uh, the binding force of this country. And Martin Tawai is one of those who rose to the peak of his career as a military officer. He served predictably well and has since, and since his retirement, been engaged in peace building efforts across the country and even the globe. In fact, you have uh, a center in Jaji that is the Aguayi Center for Peace Leadership and the Conflict Resolution. So, uh, and he's been playing a lot of role in this respect. So I expect them and some of that will join them to bring this impetus, this pedigree to helping Nigeria now to solve this problem. But like I said, they need to consult widely and they must come with it with sincerity of purpose. They must take responsibility with what has gone wrong with their region and provide workable solutions by speaking to, to the leadership of that region. It's very important to do that now. It's not the time for paperwork. I say this because if anything happens to Nigeria today, God forbid, I believe Nigeria should be a united country. I believe Nigeria should be one. Nigeria better off as a one country. But this is just my wish. There are factors that are needed to make Nigeria one. You need social justice, and most importantly, you need social justice. You need equity. You need a country where everybody has a sense of belonging. You need the ingredients of egalitarianism to reign in a country before it can become a nation. I'm saying this because if we continue on this path, we have people are feeling marginalized to sort of exit that they want to see from Nigeria. And if, God forbid, that happens and Nigeria fails, northern Nigeria will fall under the control of Boko Haram in the northeast and the 100,000 strong headsmen militia in the northwest. Because what is still, what is still preventing this from happening today is because Nigeria is united uh, and we are collectively. The stronger forces is there. Is there. So it's just an urgency to speak. Everything in a restructured Nigeria, uh, where you have more devolution of powers and you have something close to resource control, the North might be vulnerable to falling under this group. So, what are what what what, what are those factors that oxygenate violent extremism in Northern Nigeria? This group should tackle it. And when let me say, we're of politics. It's something they have no choice but to do now to avert Nigeria heading or not Nigeria heading find itself on the road to Afghanistan or not of Sudan or Somalia or any other failed state destination. So it is commendable, and I'm happy it's coming at this time. I want you to watch developments as they unfold. Many thanks to you, Majitai, for your invaluable insight into okay. the quest to search for peace and development in other Nigeria. So, so incisive. <laughs> <laughs> and of Thank course, Majid Daru is an Abuja-based public affairs analyst and a syndicated columnist. Thank you for joining us this morning. Winifred? Thank you so much. Bye -bye. Yes. Um, thank you so much, uh, viewers out there, for keeping faith with us. Tomorrow is another day. Bye. Okay, join us tomorrow for another bumper edition of Inside Nigeria. My name is Bodhi Bye for now. This program is brought to you by Leadership Podcast from the stable of Leadership Media Group.